Now, a theme which I will be exploring with you today is, do we behave as though we know better than God? Reading from Jeremiah chapter 17, verses 5 to 10, and Theologians chapter 5, verses 16 to 22, taken from the Amplified Bible. First of all, we hear from Jeremiah. We usually associate him with negative things. Now let us hear from him in a different light. Thus says the Lord, cursed is the man who trusts in the, and relies on mankind, making weak, faulty human flesh his strength, and whose mind and heart turn away from the Lord. For he will be like a shrub in the parched desert, and shall not see prosperity when it comes but shall live in the rocky places of the wilderness, in an uninhabited salt land. Blessed with spiritual security is the man who believes and trusts in and relies on the Lord, and whose hope and confidence, expectations is the Lord. For he will be nourished like a tree planted by the waters, that spread out its roots by the river, and will not fear the heat when it comes, but its leaves will be green and moist, and it will not be anxious and concerned in the year of drought, nor stop bearing fruit. The heart is deceitful decent, uh, above all things, and it is extremely sick. Who can understand it fully and know its secret motives? I, the Lord, search and examine the mind. I test the heart to give to each man according to his ways, according to the results of his deeds. In our second reading, let's hear what Paul has to say. Rejoice always and delight in your faith. Be unceasing and perish in prayer. In every situation, no matter what the circumstances, be thankful and continue to give thanks to God. For this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. Do not quench, subdue or be unresponsive in the working and guidance of the Holy Spirit. Do not scorn or reject gifts of prophecy or prophecies, spoken revelations, words of instruction or exaltations or warning. But test all things carefully so that you can recognize what is good. Hold firmly to that which is good. Abstain from every form of evil. 
withdraw and keep away from it. So, do we behave as though we know better than God? Fleas, I cried. Betsy, the place is swarming with them. Here, and here another one, I wailed. Betsy, how can we live in such a place? Show us, show us how. It was said so matter-of-factly, it took me a second to realize that she was praying. More and more, the distinction between prayer and the rest of life seemed to be vanishing for Betsy. Corey, she said excitedly, he's given us an answer. Before we asked, as he always does, in the Bible this morning, where was it? Read that part again. It was first Thessalonians. I said, yes. Rejoice always, pray constantly, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. That's a short extract from Corrie Ten Boom's book, The Hiding Place, which describes praising God in Ravensbrook Concentration Cup. And my text this morning, has similar sentiments to 1 Thessalonians 5. For in Ephesians, Paul takes it a further step when he writes in chapter 5, verse 20, give thanks for everything in the name of Jesus. And as we have already seen, Paul exhorts this attitude in many of his letters. But what does it mean in practice? Let's read on. That's it, Corey, said Betsy. That's his answer. Give thanks in all circumstances. That's what we can do. We can start right now to thank God for every single thing about this new barracks. Well, I just stared at her. Then around me at the dark, foul-aired room. Such as, I said. As such as being assigned here together. I bit my lip and said, oh yes, Lord Jesus. They went on to thank God for all sorts of things and then, thank you, Betsy went on serenely, for the fleas. The fleas? This was just too much. Betsy, there's no way. Even God can make me grateful for a flea. Give thanks in all circumstances, said Betsy. Doesn't say in pleasant circumstances. Fleas are part of this place where God has put us. So they gave thanks for the fleas. A few days passed. And one evening, Betsy was waiting for Corrie. You're looking extraordinarily pleased with yourself, I told her. You know, we've never understood why we had so much freedom in the big room, she said. Well, I found out, 
apparently that afternoon, there had been confusion in the knitting group about sock sizes, and they'd asked a supervisor to come and settle it. But she wouldn't. She wouldn't step through the door, and neither would the guards. And do you know why? Betsy couldn't keep the triumph out of Rose. Because of the fleas! The supervisor said that the place was crawling with fleas. Well, there we are. God does know what he's doing, even if we can't see it immediately. But that's all well and good, isn't it? Fleas, however unpleasant, are one thing, even in a concentration camp. But what about giving thanks when someone close has died? How on earth can we do that? I know from my own experience to say it's tough is an understatement. It's far from easy. I'm not suggesting that any of this is. It just plain isn't. And I haven't got any ready-made recipes for success. I have, however, a few thoughts and observations to offer. There's nothing more gut-wrenchingly terrible, is there, than dealing with the death of a loved one. Our sense of loss just cannot and should not be denied. It simply has to be acknowledged. There is, of course, a possibility that we can give thanks for the life of the person, for the love that we've shared with him or her. Perhaps it's possible that when we think of the person and we experience that searing pain, that we can give thanks that if we had not loved them so deeply, the pain would not be so bad. And perhaps too, when we experience that dreadful pain of loss and separation, we somehow get a glimpse of how deep the Father's love is for us. In our loss, we know and experience what true love means. And how much more then can we give thanks to our Heavenly Father for sending his Son to be born as man and live among us? For as the word says, God so greatly loved and dearly prized the world that he even gave his one and only begotten Son. So that whoever believes and trusts in him as Saviour shall not perish, but have eternal life. And there's another clue. We tend to see death as a bad thing. And if we've been praying for healing and the person dies, we see that as failure. And yet, if we truly believe what Jesus says, then actually, isn't it a coming home to our Heavenly Father? I imagine most of you here this morning will remember the late Cardinal Basil Hume. And when he was told that he was dying, he spent the day phoning round his friends to let them know 
and to a man they all expressed horror and sadness. Until at last he found someone who said, Oh, Basil, how wonderful. You're going home. And Basil said, Thank goodness at last someone understands. Yes, intellectually, we can understand it, but in our hearts, the pain knocks us off centre because we are human, as I know only too well. It took me nearly 14 years to begin to come to terms with the death of my eldest daughter. So as with everything in life, it's all how you see it. And some years ago, when I was in the Exeter circuit, I was travelling to Cherton Fitzpain to take a service. Nearing the village, I had a few moments to spare, so I stopped in a field gateway just to admire the view. I was on a hilltop, and there in front of me was the X Valley stretched out before me. And immediately in front of me was a large field of young maize, its green leaf just gently moving and swaying in the breeze. And I just stood there for about five or ten minutes, I suppose, taking in the gentleness of this lovely moment. And then I moved six inches to leave, and suddenly there before me was still the green field of maize, but I could see all the rows. And in an instant, my whole perception of that field changed. A pattern had emerged, which I hadn't seen before, of neat rows of maize plants gently swaying in the breeze. And isn't that life? We perceive stuff in a particular way until someone or something causes us to see something differently. And we have a light bulb moment that changes everything. For me, one of those moments was 40 years ago now, when I was introduced to two books, one entitled From Prison to Praise, and the other, the, uh, the one that followed it, Power in Praise, both by an American Methodist minister called Marilyn Carruthers. It changed my whole approach to life and my Lord completely. I know only too well how easy it is to forget to be thankful, especially when confronted by some of the dreadful ups and downs of life. However, why ignore the antidote that the Lord provides? For Google tells me that in various forms, the word thanks appears some 139 times in the Bible. And as I read recently in another article, isn't gratitude a muscle of the mind that needs exercise? And as it says elsewhere in the Bible in Hebrews, through Jesus, therefore, let us constantly and at all times offer up to God a sacrifice of praise, which is the fruit of lips 
that thankfully acknowledge and confess and glorify his name. And as we read together in Jeremiah just now, blessed with spiritual security is the person who believes and trusts in and relies on the Lord and whose hope and confident expectation is the Lord, for they will be nourished like a tree planted by the waters that spreads out its roots by the river and will not fear the heat when it comes. But its leaves will be green and moist and it won't be anxious and concerned in a year of drought, not stop nor stop bearing fruit. Paul exhorts us to give thanks for everything in the name of Jesus. It's easy, yes, to give thanks for the obvious things, but sometimes in the really hard times, there are other angles that we may not have considered like that field of maize moment. For I used to wonder what the phrase, this my sacrifice of praise, in one of the hymns we used to sing, meant. And I think I now begin to understand. For me, it's reminding myself that, in spite of what I may think, my mind does not know it all. And I need to continually give up, or as it were, sacrifice my ego-based thinking in favour of God's. <clears throat> As he says through Isaiah, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than yours, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. I believe our Lord wants us to mature beyond our human thinking, to be able to see Jesus ultimately as all we need in any circumstance, and thus to find it in our hearts to give thanks in difficult circumstances as well. Let's continue to try, despite that our whole beingness cries out against it. Believe me, there are times when I find it hard and have to, as it were, grip my teeth to give thanks. For first, I react as my mind clicks into action. And then after a proper acknowledgement, I try to respond by giving thanks in the name of Jesus, for I have no strength of my own to do it. These are opportunities for us to grow spiritually and emotionally. To enlarge our hearts, to enlarge our thinking, to enlarge our lives. For what happens when we walk across rough ground with our heads down? I think that invariably it's we either stumble or fall over. Lesson, look up and ahead. Yes, it takes time to integrate the whole idea of giving thanks for everything in the name of Jesus into our mindset and behavior. It's akin to a navigation officer setting his course. Sometimes the wind blows us off course, yes. 
but our destination, our goal, our intention is to follow Jesus and daily to become more like him. Sometimes we have to try hard to give thanks in the name of Jesus, like Corrie ten Boom and her sister in the fleas. Sometimes we need to shift our perspective, like I did with the Maysfield. But in the end, we won't know, shall we, till we try. Otherwise, aren't we in danger of, dare I say, being arrogant as appearing by our thoughts and actions to behave as though we know better than God? Just a thought. Oh 
trump shall resound and the Lord shall descend even so it is well with my soul it is well with my soul it is well it is well with my soul it is well with my soul it is well it is well with my soul Content in this podcast is adapted from recorded Zoom services held by Teambridge Methodist Circuit Coastal Section. Full videos can be viewed on their YouTube channel. Music is taken from worship audio tracks, all rights reserved.